Welcome to the Sober Yoga Girl podcast with Alex McRobbs, international yoga teacher and sober coach. I broke up with booze for good in 2019, and now I'm here to help others do the same. You're not alone, and a sober life can be fun and fulfilling. Let me show you how. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Sober Yoga Girl. I am super excited to have Tawny with me here today. And Tawny is a writer and a podcaster. She is the host of Recovery Rocks, and she is all the way in New York City. So welcome, Tawny. Hey, it's so great to be here, Alex. Nice to have you here. And Tawny and I have a connection that we did our yoga teacher trainings at the same yoga school in Bali, um, I, me in 2017 and her in 2018. So we actually got connected together through one of our yoga teachers, which is kind of cool, fun fact. Yeah, that when you messaged me about that, like, I'm always excited to connect with another sober person, of course. But then when you mentioned Zuna yoga, I was like, oh my God, I'm even more connected to her. It's <laughs> so cool. So tell me a bit about yourself, kind of who you are and where you're from. I am a, a writer in New York City, and I grew up in, well, I, I was born in Northern California and then moved to Central Texas when I was eight. Um, so I grew, I grew up pretty much in, um, like, I would go back and forth between Texas and California, but I pretty much grew up in Texas lived there for 20 years. And then I've now been in New York for six years. So hopping around the coasts. <laughs> Love it. And how did you start drinking? I, I was, you know, it's, it's a very cliche story, just introduced to drugs and alcohol at a party, you know, like, mm -hmm. It's interesting. So like, like I mentioned, I'm from Northern California. My father's a heavy metal musician. And my mom was his groupie. So I grew up in like the heavy metal scene. Like I was around part like sex, drugs, rock and roll, you know, like I was around that. It was very normal. And even if I wasn't around it, I was like, we were watching MTV all the time. Like it was just like this culture of um, indulgence, I would say. So I just grew up with that being the norm. And then when I was personally like introduced alcohol as something that was possibly for me was at a, you know, at a party, at a high school party, I was going through like, you know, something really heavy, like something really traumatic. And it, it was just like, I felt like I had been around it enough, but I was never drawn to it until I went through something traumatic. And I was like, screw it. Yeah, I'll try it. And it was, <laughs> I was 15 and, you know, kept binge drinking until I was 29. Wow. Yeah. So I started drinking around the same age, 15, similar kind of thing and, and stopped drinking in my twenties as well. So there's a lot that I can connect to and relate to in that. Well, now I look at a 15 year old and they look like infants and I'm I like, know. oh my God, why are they drinking? Why are they smoking? <laughs> I know. Totally. So young. And so how did your alcohol consumption increase over time? You know, I started working in the restaurant industry, which I think was probably my biggest downfall. If you're, you know, any listeners have worked in the restaurant industry, they understand it's, it could be a pretty self-destructive environment. And I was um, a bartender for like 10 years. So I just, mm -hmm. it, you know, it just like really 
escalates when your whole life is in a bar. It just, you know, started as a fun thing I did at parties on the weekends. And then it turns into, uh, you know, I was never one of those wake up in the morning and start drinking type of people. And I, I bring that up because people think that's when you have to stop drinking, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think that that's an important distinction to make where, you know, I was, when I did drink, I drank to excess. I would go days, weeks, months without drinking. But when I would, I would black out and I would do stupid things. I would put myself in dangerous situations. So, you know, I think it's important to provide that nuance because we're seeing substance abuse is depicted as someone who loses everything. And that can be the case, but not always. Yeah. And that is um, something that I can connect to as well, because I was never like the morning drinker. And I, I was a teacher all throughout the time that I was having a problem with my drinking. And I think there's such a, people have such a headspace of like, you have to hit rock bottom before you (laughs) get help. But you can, I think it's Belle Robertson who says like, you can hit a low bottom. So you don't have to hit all the way to rock bottom before you, you recover. Yeah. I mean, it's to be like completely reductive, like you don't have to become morbidly obese to get healthy or to to change your diet, you know, like your life doesn't need to be at risk to make a change is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. And that's a great example. I guess you could even argue your life is at risk. You know, my life was at risk during those, (laughs) that decade and a half, you know, I never had like an official rock bottom, but you could argue that I was living in a rock bottom because I was not taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. And when you're blacking out and putting yourself in those vulnerable situations, it's pretty scary. Totally. Yeah. I think about some things that I used to do and I'm just like, how, how did I live through this? Why did I put myself through this? I just want to like hug that little girl and be like, you don't, you don't need this. Yeah. And so tell me about what was the turning point for you then? When did you decide to start with your sober journey? Yeah. So also like a super anticlimactic story. I mean, it was, I'm at a, I'm at a pub in Soho, you know, downtown Manhattan and I'm hanging out with some friends and we're having drinks. I think I might've had like three or four pints over the course of a couple hours. So it was a pretty light, light event for me, but I was talking about how, you know, I don't have enough time to write. Mm-hmm. And my friend was talking about how she doesn't have enough time to audition. And, you know, we're like, there was something that really snapped in me when I left the pub because, you know, I went into the pub and it was daylight and then I left the pub and it was, you know, street lit. And there was something in that switch of like, you just spent four hours talking about how you don't have time to write in a pub, (laughs) you know, like it just, it finally clicked, I guess. And I felt, it just felt different. Like I woke up the next morning and I was just feeling kind of groggy and, you know, didn't go to my workout. And, you know, it was just like, and I just like looked in the mirror and I was like, this isn't cute anymore. Like, what are you even doing? Like you moved to New York to be a writer. Why are you just talking about it? And so that I didn't realize it at the time, but that was my, my last drink. Wow. And that's so interesting that you say that because I feel that so many people 
it's like something that they, like for me, it was something I suddenly realized when I was sober, I was like, wow, I have so much more time, right? Like it was an, it was an amazing thing. And, and I've accomplished more in like two and a half years than I did in my whole drinking career. But you're the first person I met who said that that was something that occurred to them, you know, in the moment of still drinking of like, wow, I don't have time because this is what I'm doing with my time. That's a huge kind of like aha moment. It really was. And, you know, so I, I decided to, you know, being, being a writer who likes to like do social experiments, I decided to keep, um, keep myself accountable by giving up alcohol for one year. I was about to turn 30. So I was like, great, I'm not going to drink alcohol for this year and Mm -hmm. I'm going to blog about it. And so that'll keep me accountable for both writing and, um, not drinking, and, you know, here we are five and a half years wow. later <laughs> and I'm still, I'm, I'm still sober, happily sober. But, you know, in that year, I really learned that I, like you were saying in sobriety, you realize how much more time you have, often mm-hmm. more money because you're not getting wasted anymore and you're not spending money on drinks and then the stupid drunken purchases anymore. <laughs> yeah. So it just like about halfway through, it just felt, I was just like, I'm not looking forward to the end of this year. I was like, this is great. And so I just never went back to drinking. And, you know, the blog has since turned into documentary and a podcast and freelance writing career and, you know, writing a book. And it's all, and it's like, it's so ironic because I quit drinking because I didn't have time to write. And now I, all I write is about sobriety. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. And I love how it happened, like, just so organically. Like, you're like, I'm going to, this is going to be my accountability thing. And, and now it's just, like, evolved and grown. And, and here you are. I mean, it, I feel like you have to approach a creative project like that, you know? Like, if you have a particular goal for this, I mean, I guess it doesn't hurt to have a goal for something. But it's like, you, you have to, you can't hold on to that so tightly. You really have to trust that things are just going to work out the way they're going to work out. And you, you really only have control over yourself <laughs> and mm-hmm. how, you know, you react to things. But because I think that was a big difference for me because I was so like obsessed with goals, goals, goals before. And the fact that like this just happened because I was open, you know, yeah. like it felt that it just felt really validating. It's amazing. And so tell me more about like what different tools you used in your early days of sobriety to help you. I know the the writing helped you stay accountable, but what else was kind of in your, your toolkit? Yeah. um, So I did not go the traditional AA 12 step route. I I've been to a handful of meetings and um, I'm so happy it's an option and it's a free support group all over the world. You know, I think that's amazing for me. I really resonated with, yoga and meditation and, you know, writing, you know, the blogging, of course, but also like journaling, like just for mm-hmm. myself and just getting exercise was a, was a big one. Like, you know, they say you you have to replace, you know, when you give something up that that's, that's that big, you have to replace it with something else. Yeah. And I, so like my first six months of sobriety, like I ran a, a half marathon which like I would never do now, (laughs) but like, that was like, I had all this energy and all this anxiety and 
you know, all of these new feelings that running definitely helped at that phase. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I can totally relate to that just like period of time or that window in which you're just like doing so many, I think it's Millie <laughs> Gooch posted like, you know, you take up all these random hobbies and sobriety and now you're like a salsa dancing, like horoscope reader or whatever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you look back exactly and it. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. What was the hardest part for you about sobriety? I think I didn't realize this at the time, but with some perspective, I think the hardest part was that I, I didn't find some sort of peer support until about a year in. Yeah. And that I, I didn't realize it was hard at the time, but I can now see that what I was struggling with, like I had just moved to New York. Like I was a five month New Yorker, you know, when I quit drinking. So like, I didn't have my friends and family weren't very, weren't close. They were all back in Texas. So everyone that was around me was pretty new in my life and none of them were in recovery. They were normal drinkers, but like, so I realized by me not finding a therapist or some sort of peer support, everyone around me kind of became my de facto emotional support animal. And that was a horrible place to put those people in like, and I can see that now, but cause I, I didn't realize what I needed. And since I approached sobriety as a social experiment, I didn't think I had a drinking problem. I was just, you know, like I wasn't like in recovery. I was just not going to drink and see what happened. So I really missed that. That first year of sobriety is so important. And so I felt like mine, <laughs> was just busy like creating content not really processing those emotions yeah. as I probably should have so it's kind of random roundabout answer yeah round, roundabout answer but and how did you eventually find that peer support what was that like well I, I started with a therapist yeah. um, about a year about like nine to ten months into sobriety i I got a therapist and that was huge. That really helped me learn, you know, boundaries and appropriate conversations to have with my friends and family and how my friends and family could help instead of just pouring everything onto them. And then I, you know, I, sh I shopped around, like I found there's tons of support groups. Like mm -hmm. if AA is not for you, there's so many. So I just, I Googled and I just tried different different things that worked for me. And I, I found something that resonated and I can't recommend it enough. Like if you're listening and you're on the fence or you're like, no, I don't need peer support. Like I guarantee someone in your life want, wishes that you had at least a therapist or someone to talk to that was qualified to, to support you through yeah. this, you know? Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. I also didn't have a lot of live connection until like later on in my sober, actually when I founded my community, that was like my first live sober connection. Um, and I, again, like didn't realize how much I was missing it, but it's just like being in a room of people who, who get it. And if you're living in a culture that's like dominantly drinkers, then you're not going to find that in, in your regular community. Right. And so yeah, you need, even if it's just one person, like you really just need someone to uh, feel solidarity with, or, you know, at least 
there's pod, you know, podcasts, there's books, there's like, at least there's a lot of resources. So if, if you don't want to go like a peer support route, yeah, there's tons of other people at least talking about it. And sometimes listening to a podcast can kind of be like going to a zoom meeting, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Amazing podcasts out there or audiobooks. I got like, yeah, there's, there's tons quitlet audiobooks. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that is so great because, you know, when I got sober, five and a half years ago, there wasn't a, like, Quitlet was like an emerging genre. It wasn't, um, it wasn't the thriving genre that it is now, you know, like there was, there was a handful of stories that I felt that I resonated with and it was predominantly male dominated. And now it's just like a bunch of awesome women talking about alcohol-free life. And so it's a great time to question your relationship with alcohol. Totally. There's so many good resources. And I keep saying, one of my clients said I should make a bookshelf because people are always recommending stuff. And I have this vision of like creating a bookshelf webpage, putting all the recommended books on. And I just haven't gotten to it. It's on my to-do list though. um, Because there are just so many out there. Well, and there's, you're going to have to leave space too, because there's so many coming out. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So tell me about your writing. So you talked about how your writing started as just kind of like accountability. Um, And now I know you do a lot of writing about sex and sobriety. So tell me about that. Yeah. So, you know, in early sobriety, I found myself in early sobriety, you meet yourself, you know, you, you, you're meeting the person that you were hiding from for, for me, it was 15 years, you know? So there's a lot there. And, um, for me, a big part of that was sex and sexuality, you know, repressed sexual traumas and just things that I didn't want to deal with and drinking helped quote, helped me procrastinate on that. But then when you stop drinking, it's like, okay, I guess I kind of have to, (laughs) I mean, I guess you don't, you don't have to face your problems. You know, some of us choose to, and I, I did, I went, you know, I, I went down that journey of like sex and sexuality and learned that my relationship with sex and with like love interests or lust interests was often um, dysfunctional. And I used sex as a form of validation in a very, you know, very similar way that I used drugs and alcohol, you know? So all of that is to say I was going through this and there, there wasn't a ton of resources on sex and dating in sobriety specifically. So I like to say that, you know, my work now about sober sex and dating is really like for younger me because I was so lost and I had no, I didn't know where to start. All, all you hear is don't, don't have sex the first year don't date the first year. Like that's really the only advice that you're given. And then, but it's like, but then what? (laughs) And then what if I don't wait the full year? Yeah. How do I talk about dating without, how do I talk about dating without alcohol? How do I talk about, how do I ask for what I want in the bedroom without alcohol? Like all of these really scary things came up that I didn't know I struggled with. So, you know, that's, that's really where, all of my work is now is just being that resource. And there's still not a lot of conversation about it mm-hmm. six years later. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, it's a very, it's a very vulnerable topic. I imagine like it's very vulnerable for you. And I admire that because I definitely am not there to, to be talking about it myself, but I can so relate. And I think everyone, many people who, who, have, who are on the jo- sober journey had similar experiences. So 
yeah, absolutely. And it, the more I talk about it, the more responses like that that I get are like, I get DMs like, oh, thank you for having this conversation. Yeah. People asking me questions of, you know, how do I, how do I tell this guy that I'm seeing that I don't drink alcohol or, mm-hmm. you know, I want to ask my husband to do this, but I don't know how to do that without a glass of wine first. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, people are starved for this conversation, yeah. you know? Totally. Even people that still drink, you know, like I, that's what's my biggest surprise was that I thought that the conversation was really just going to be like sober folks or at least sober curious, but there's people that like are, have a quote, normal, healthy relationship with alcohol, but they're interested in this work because they're like, oh yeah, like I use alcohol as liquid courage sometimes. I'd love to not do that. Like that's blowing my mind (laughs) that those people are interested too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And you mentioned your book that you're working on writing a book. What is that about? Yeah. I'm writing a book about sober sex and dating and relationships. The the how-to guide that I needed (laughs) six years ago. Love it. Um, I'm finally writing it. So yeah, I'm excited. That's amazing. What stage are you along in that? How is that process? Very beginning stage, you know, so stay, stay tuned, but it's something, it's something I've committed to for like 2021. I drastically cut back on freelancing and I'm just like, I'm focusing on, you know, book proposal, getting an agent, really like selling this book, you know, like that was, that's my 2021 vision. And then, you know, that's where all my energy's been. So send all the good vibes. Oh, hundred percent. That's amazing. And you also host, um, recovery rocks. So tell me a bit about that. Yeah. Uh, my friend Lisa Smith and I, she is the author of girl walks out of a bar. She okay. was a lawyer in New York city who had a, a cocaine and alcohol addiction. So that heard a memoir about, about her experience. Um, so yeah, she and I co-host and it's called recovery rocks. Cause we talk about recovery and rock and roll. Lisa and I met on Instagram <laughs> and we just really clicked. And I think our podcast resonates with listeners because, you know, Lisa is, she's 20 years older than I am. She, she comes from that traditional AA 12 step background Mm -hmm. and I'm, you know, millennial who's doing my own thing. (laughs) And so, but the great thing about it is that we're coming from different perspectives, but we're really, we're always meeting in the middle. Like we very rarely disagree. So I think listeners are, are seeing that they, there's so many different ways to get sober. There's so many options. And I think having two different perspectives from different age groups provides some nuance to the conversation. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And I'll definitely have to check out Girl Walks Out of the Bar. I haven't heard of that one. So cool. And what is your, I mean, I guess you kind of mentioned your book is coming up, but what is your vision for your work in sobriety? Like, where do you want to take it? I, you know, I'm writing this book on sober sex and dating. Um, so I would just love to keep, I, I hope that this is the first of many books about yeah. sober sex because it's like, like everything, there needs to be multiple books and multiple yeah. conversations, like multiple people having these conversations um, 
I would, I, yeah, I, I just, I think it's an important topic and I would love for more people to have it and for people to read the book and share it. And kind of like I was saying about the blog, like you can never really have like a specific goal or like idea. Yeah. Like you can have, I guess you can have an idea of where you want something to go, but you can't like be so laser focused on it. You can't obsess on that. Like I can really just pour my heart into the book and trust that I was my, that it's my best work and, you know, hope that the, that people receive it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Um, so I have one last question for you. Um, if you were to give advice for someone, if someone was looking for advice, um, for starting their alcohol-free journey, what would you recommend? It's a great question. I think my biggest, my biggest lesson was that I, I spent so much time comparing my relationship with alcohol to other people's relationship to alcohol. So, and what I mean is like when I was binge drinking, I'd be like, oh, well, at least I don't drink as much as she does. Or mm. at least my life isn't that bad. Like, it, like I would just compare. Yeah. And so like that gave me permission to keep drinking. So all of that is to say, don't compare your relationship to alcohol with someone else's. Like only you know if it's a problem. And if you're finding yourself Googling, do I have a drinking problem? I hate to say it. You probably do. And that's okay. Like that doesn't mean you have to stop drinking forever. It doesn't mean anything other than maybe take a step back and reevaluate some things. Yeah. Oh, this is great advice. That's awesome. And I totally, I've done the Google, the Google, do I have a problem? Yeah, of course. With drinking, you, so. you take the tests. You, you're like, if you have eight out of 10, I'm like, well, I don't really have eight. Maybe it's just seven, <laughs> <laughs> just like the mental gymnastics. But it's like, if you're Googling like anything like that, it's like, yeah, you're, it's, it's probably you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, Tawny, thank you so much. This was an amazing episode. It was so nice to finally get down, to get to sit down with you <laughs> and chat and, and hear your story, which is so inspirational. And I'm sure lots of the listeners will be interested in checking out your work and your show and finding more about what you do. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It's amazing to meet you. <laughs> Take care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Sober Yoga Girl with Alex McRobbs. I am so, so grateful for every one of you. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next one and leave a review before you go. See you soon. Bye.